Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We have the opportunity now to ramp up the Beatitudes. If you turn to Matthew's Gospel, to chapter 5, and our hard sayings of Jesus will come to a close today with the final Beatitude. And we'll find ourselves at the end of our time today also at the foot of the cross, which will be our next series, The Seven Sayings of Christ from the Cross. But as we look at these Beatitudes, as we've been journeying through the hard sayings, I don't know how many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, said, Yeehaw, I'm going to be persecuted for my faith. I can't wait. I'm so excited that part of when I gave my life to Jesus, one of the things that I accepted was that I was going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. That literally doing the right thing in God's eyes would cause a problem in the eyes of man. That the enemy would come after you because you've decided to follow Jesus. And I pray that as we wrap up this time called the hard sayings, that not only will you realize that it is worth it, but it's actually the only way to live your life. And so would you join me? Let's pray. We'll pick up in verse 10. And our final beatitude, the eighth beatitude, happy in persecution. Father, we thank you. And we pray, Lord, that as we open up our minds and our hearts to receive from heaven the wonder of your word, would you speak to your church this morning? Lord, I have nothing to say, but you have much to say. And so I pray that the mouth that you've given me would be used for your glory. That we'd remember that all that we are and all that we will ever be is to bring glory and honor and praise to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords. And so glorify yourself today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus speaking the final beatitude, blessed. And I want you to pay very, very close attention. Because unlike many blessings which are unconditional, this blessing is absolutely very conditional. Blessed are those who are persecuted. You can underline persecuted. But what comes next, you really need to highlight. For righteousness' sake. It does not say blessed are those who are just simply persecuted. It doesn't say blessed are those who are having a bad day. It doesn't say blessed are those who live in one country versus another country and it's rough in one and easy in another. It says no such thing. It says, Jesus again speaking, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, For theirs 
is a kingdom not of this earth, it's the kingdom of heaven. And just in case you missed it the first time, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Falsely, here it comes, for my sake. Not because you are short with people. Not because you have a bitter attitude towards your co-workers. Not because you have a political opinion. Not because you woke up on the wrong side of bed and have been mean-spirited and angry towards your spouse. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Huge caveat. Condition. The condition is righteousness, which is rightness before God, according to his word. His holiness in you. For my sake, that which is, for the cause of, for the purpose of, for the furtherance of the kingdom, for the life of Christ that is now in you, in fact, your life is hidden in him. So this persecution is very specific persecution for a very specific reason. A lot of Christians get this particular beatitude confused with, I'm being persecuted. Well, actually you're being persecuted because you're mean-spirited and angry. You're being persecuted because you can't say a good thing about anybody. There's lots of reasons why you might be persecuted. The question is, are you being persecuted because you are absolutely right with God? Because your life speaks the truth of the cross of Christ into this world. Jesus is saying, Blessed is the person who receives persecution because there's little distinguishing between their life and God himself. Now, I don't know about you. I think a lot of the persecution I've suffered isn't for that reason. A lot of the persecution I've undergone is not for righteousness sake. It's because I ill-timed my words. Or because I took up some cause that seemed to be good at the time. Let's face it. The world doesn't associate happiness with any of the Beatitudes. Not humility or mourning over sin or gentleness or righteousness or mercy or purity of heart. The world looks at all those things essentially as weaknesses. But God looks at them as strength. Church, how strong are you today? Because the world is going to try and extract a price from you. The world's going to try and cram you into its mold. The world is going to attempt to get you to switch teams. I pray that you're all on Team Jesus. Amen? Amen? It's your choice. I looked at multiple lists this last week just trying to figure out, you know, what is it 
that people think of when they think of happiness. And so I compiled some things from both scientific and non-scientific lists. In other words, actual legitimate scientific studies where people were asked in a controlled environment, what makes you happy? Here's some of the things they said. They enjoy the company of other people, but are not interested in, in engaging in self-sacrificing sacrificing behavior to be around those people that they enjoy. In other words, I'm a selfish, not-so-nice person. As you might imagine, money. 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 More money. Wealth. Power. Sex. Sex. Sex and more sex. Physical attractiveness. Lack of aging. Newsflash, y'all gonna die. And you ain't gonna look good when it happens. They refuse to participate in anything that causes negative feelings. That's what makes them happy. No negative emotions. If you've been alive for more than a week, you probably had some negative emotions. Amen? A satisfying career, that's not the end of it, that leads to total control over your schedule, including retirement at a very early age. Happy is the person who is selfish, has tons of money, lots of sex, and is consumed with themselves. That's the world's beatitudes. They're kind of the opposite of Jesus' beatitudes, amen? So when you think about what the Lord is saying, it's really hard because the world has a different opinion. The things that make people happy without Christ are the exact opposite of the things that make us in Christ filled with the joy of the Lord. Because you are going to care about other people, irregardless of what they can do for you. You're going to learn how to be content whether you have much or whether you have little. You're going to count not your own life dear because your life now belongs to Christ. Church, this last beatitude in essence says, for believing the rest of them, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to have issues. And so as the Lord opens the Sermon on the Mount, as this particular passage is the beginning of a very long sermon by Jesus, he says, basically, if you think the way I think, you act the way I act, you live the way I live, your life is going to get more complex and at times filled with trouble. So now you know why I said what I said when I started. Probably none of you signed up for that. Amen? You didn't go, hey, I'm going to give my life to Christ and I'm going to get persecuted. It's awesome. But in fact, you actually did make that commitment. You said yes to the offer of forgiveness of your sin, to the grace of God that will one day usher you into heaven. 
and you said no to the things of the world. Those things no longer consume me. In essence, this final beatitude is a, is a twofer if you want to look at it that way. It's a single beatitude that is repeated and then expanded for our, ultimately for our learning. You see, because blessed, which is mentioned twice here, that's the one characteristic. Persecuted is the thing that's attached to it. You're blessed if you're persecuted. And apparently to emphasize it, Jesus says it twice. It's like, if you stand for me, your life is going to have issues. If you actually walk in the truth, you're going to have issues. If you're actually humble, people are going to walk all over you. If you're actually gentle, people are going to take advantage of you. You understand? You see, that's who we are as Christians. doesn't mean that you're the world's doormat, by the way. It means that you willingly, as Jesus did, will lay down your life for others. You live a life now that is death to self. Your, your life is no longer your own. You said yes to Jesus. He said, what I want from you is you. I want you to now live for me. And because you do, the world says, we don't like who you are. Why do you suppose that Christians are now being once again labeled as narrow-minded, bigoted individuals who are against women's rights? Why do you think that is? Because the truth of the matter is, God creates all children, period. Even when from our perspective, even when from our perspective, the conditions are not optimal. You see, to have a view that says that I actually believe what the Bible declares, from my mother's womb you knew me. When you hold that view, the world is saying, well, it's my body. I'm sorry, it's not your body. It is his body. He paid for it with his life. He created you. It doesn't work the other way around. And so when you hold a strictly biblical view... Forget the politics of all of it. When you hold a biblical morality, you're going to be against the world's morality. There is no getting around it. And in fact, if you don't have persecution, then you might want to see if you're actually holding the Lord's righteousness. Why am I saying that? Because it applies to absolutely area of your, every area of your life. Every area. It isn't something you put on a shelf when you get home. Well, I'm a Christian on Sunday. Let me share some blessings with you. 2003 in Nicaragua. A group of pastors, two of whom I knew, were taking a late night Jeep ride. They were approached on a bridge by four men. Those four men were armed. 
They were asked to get out of their jeep and follow them to the edge of the bridge. And about that time, they knew what was going to happen. Pastors that I knew both lived. But one of the pastors was taken to the edge of the bridge and he said, I'd like to write my wife. And his only words in his journal were, I'm going to heaven. I'll see you when you get there. They shot him and threw him off the bridge. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. All they were doing was sharing the gospel. In a communist country. That's it. The same could be said for the likes of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was hanged in 1945 for doing nothing other than being kind in a prison camp. Persecuted for the cause of Christ. If you're actually walking with Jesus, if you're actually living a righteous life, you will be persecuted, but you will be blessed. Why? What did Jesus say? For yours is the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? That can't be taken from you. It doesn't end when your last breath is taken. It isn't over when the final withdrawal of your human resources is made. Tis but the beginning of eternity. Without all the issues of this earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, truly blessed people are persecuted. You can't get around it. If you were to look at the list that we've seen in the Beatitudes so far, we're pretty strange as far as the world's concerned. Aren't we? Holiness? Is that a brand of beer? Is that some magazine that you can buy? No, it's a life that's lived on your knees. It's a life that says, I I don't count my own life dear any longer. In fact, the life that I live, I live because Jesus saved me for that life. That's pretty weird to the world. The world looks at that and says, I don't want any part of that. You're nuts. Which, by the way, the Apostle Paul actually agreed with when he wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, we have been called out of our minds for the sake of Christ. And he was right. That's how the world will view you. It's going to make you meek and gentle in your relationships. Honesty is going to compel you to do the right thing at all times. We don't acquiesce to sinfulness even when the world is and does. Our relationship doesn't cause us to withdraw from this world. It causes us to be bold in this world, to stand up and say, praise the Lord. And actually mean it. Many people don't even know the history of our country. On the top of the Washington Monument, there's an aluminum cap up there. 
You know what it says? Laus Deo. Praise God. That's all it says. Maybe it's time for God's people to do what's on a secular monument. To praise God. That we're actually different. That people don't like what we do. People don't like what we say because what we do and what we say is what the king wants us to do and say. It's time for the church to rise to that occasion. It's not time to shirk back. We're looking at our economy going, what's going on? We're looking at the war in Ukraine. World War III is about to happen. Some of you are swapping your children for gasoline. It's like, I've, you have to stay here. We need gas. It doesn't cause us to throw up our hands and go, woe is me. It causes us to get on our knees and say, Lord, we need you. Amen. We have transparency in our dealings with humankind, period. You say, look, I've messed up. I need your forgiveness. And when people don't thank you for what you've done, you count it part of the package deal that Jesus showed us on the cross. He was mocked, ridiculed for dying in your place. The least we can do is receive the same mocking because we stand for him in this world. I think it would be important for us to define this persecution because Jesus says the persecuted people are blessed. The word actually means to endure hostile intent. To endure hostile intent, to be ill-treated, to be injured, to even be threatened with death. You know what's really weird? When you talk to Christians, if you were to do an altar call and say, I just want to be clear, when you come up here and you give your life to Jesus, get ready for ill intent, hostile activity, and oh, by the way, you might possibly die You think people are going to think twice about coming forward and giving their life to Jesus? And yet that is exactly who we are. We're persecuted people. But it shouldn't be persecution because we're mean-spirited and angry. Or we're hostile towards sinners. If you haven't figured it out, sinners sin. People do dumb things. People who don't know Jesus don't follow Jesus. So much of the church has turned into a Christian social club that when they see somebody sinning, they're like, "Ah! can't believe it. They fornicated. Really? Shocker. Would have never seen that coming. We have to get in line with what Jesus called us to be. 
And he said, if you're going to be like me, you're going to be different. And the world isn't going to like it. You're going to be persecuted for it. But that persecution is for a purpose. It isn't just arbitrary. Your enemies are going to try and capitalize on the fact that you're different to make a statement. Is that not what's going on in the news media? Right now. Christians are crazy. Really. So people who don't know the Lord don't do crazy things. Hmm. I'm kind of thinking the world doesn't match up to that. Pro-life clinic was burned to the ground today on the way to the church because they dared to try and save babies? You see, they want to turn the tables. And in doing so, the way they can get to it is by persecuting you. Persecuting me, persecuting us. What is the cause of that persecution? It's real clear. For the sake of righteousness. And on account of me. Same exact intent. In other words, righteousness, which is the characteristic that God himself has in fullness. God is 100% righteous. Everybody understand that? His character is immutable. It cannot be changed. He is who he is. He is eternally good. He is never wrong. He cannot sin, nor can he be tempted by sin. So in that sense, God is exactly the opposite of this world. Because this world is enticed by sin. It delves into sin. We as people still sin. But God, not so much. And so the point here is, when you're persecuted, if the persecution is a blessing, it should be because you were exactly like Jesus. Got it? Exactly like Jesus. You possessed in that moment, in that conversation, the very righteousness of God. You spoke forth the word of truth into that person's life, and they hated you for it. Anybody had that experience? You told somebody the truth about the life that they're living. You told them that the word of God says this, but you're doing that. And they said, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Where did you get that? The Bible. God's word says it. And oh, by the way, I've lived my life that way. And because of it, I want to share with you what God's done in my life. Well, I don't want your God. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I enjoy my trips to the dispensary every day. It's beer 30 and you're keeping me from it. Being persecuted because you're obnoxious. Contrary, legalistic, combative, or just plain rude is not for righteousness' sake. 
Because remember, Jesus already said, meek, humble, gentle. So that kind of leaves out obnoxious, boisterous, hard to get along with. It pulls truth into the focus and says, hey, tell them the truth in love. Be kind. When they revile, you don't revile back. You be good to them. You show them my love by the way you live your life, Jeff. You see, the cause of that persecution is we're being like Christ. And by the way, that's always been a cause of persecution. That's the reason the first century church almost didn't become the second century church. The more they tried to be like Jesus, the more they were persecuted. The more the Roman emperors decided, hey, if you're not going to bow to Caesar, then you've got another God. And they were right. Caesar was correct. We do have another God, and we're not bowing to you. Why do I say that? Because you can just simply not obey the law and get in trouble. But when you obey God instead of man, when there's a clear distinction, then you can stand on what the word of God says. Sometimes we deserve the persecution that we're getting. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Sometimes I've just been mean. Sometimes I said something that was off the wall or obnoxious. That's on me. Can't hang that on Jesus. Very often, if we were to boil it down, if we're going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, then the only crime that you should be, in essence, accused of is being too much like Jesus. Amen? If you're going to get persecuted, then the only crime that you should have that's listed on the criminal complaint that you're persecuted for is that, I can't stand that, Jeff. He was being just like, he kept telling me about Jesus. He kept speaking the word of God into my life. He kept saying, thus says the Lord. And I looked it up and he was right. You see, when we are like Christ, then we're going to receive the treatment that Jesus received. What happened to Jesus because of his righteousness? I think you all know, we just celebrated a couple months ago. Easter, death, burial, resurrection. That's persecution at the highest level, isn't it? Why do you think Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you? Because you're not like this world. You're going to stand out in your workplace. You're going to stand out at school. You're going to stand out in your neighborhood. You're going to stand out at your homecoming. You're going to stand out when you go to that 20, 30, 50 year reunion. One of the cool things about being a pastor is 
Once they find out you're a pastor, you don't get invited to any of that stuff. <laughs> and we're not, he kept telling us about Jesus. Every party's got a pooper. I want to be that because I'm so much like Jesus. People get sick of it. You keep telling me about Jesus. Yep. It's the only thing that matters. You may never see that person again, but if you told them about Jesus, they will have the truth with them forever because the word doesn't return void. It always goes and does what it accomplishes. But you know what? That beer, not so much. You understand what I'm saying? That beer, not so much. That filthy joke, not so much. That crass conversation, that gossip, not so much. Be a pretty good thing if whenever somebody remembers your name, there's, oh man, all I talk about is Jesus. I'm not saying you can't have casual conversation with somebody. Bible doesn't say that. Jesus actually hung out with people who didn't know him. But when they walked away, they remembered who they were with. And that should be true about the church. And people are going to talk about you. The response is very, very simple. We get to leap for joy because we're persecuted. It's like, yes, finally, I got persecuted for something that matters. Finally, somebody doesn't like me for something that counts. Because there's a lot of people that don't like me because there's a lot not to like. Right? You guys honest enough with yourself to say there's stuff about you that people shouldn't like? Don't know whether you know this or not, but let me be the first one to tell you, you're not all that. It's so awesome getting old, because you just don't care. It's like, truth, truth alert, you're not all that. But you know who is? King Jesus. He is all that. Amen? So when you get persecuted for being like him, it's a good thing. It's an awesome thing. Jesus is going to finish this by saying in verses 44 and 48, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do you know why I hate the way our political system is working currently? It's because it's nothing but animosity. It doesn't accomplish anything. But for us as believers, we're supposed to love our enemies. People with whom we disagree, we're supposed to love on them. Not scream and yell at them. Love on them. Pray for those who, here it comes, persecute you. How many of you do that? Or your prayer is, Lord, kill them. So that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and good, 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God is providentially good. He's even good to evil people. That's nuts. I want to be like that. I want to be able to be persecuted and go, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you and mean it. Actually mean it. For if you love those who love you, here it comes. If the church becomes a Christian social club, if you love people who go to church with you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? In other words, tax collectors hang out with tax collectors. They'll get together and have a convention. They go, oh, yeah, it's awesome being a tax collector. Can I tell you the church often does the same thing? We get so set on coming to a place where we all think the same that we forget there's lost people outside of the walls that need Jesus. So when we get persecuted, we run away. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. They might say something bad to me. Don't let that be you. Go find somebody who might persecute you and be good to them. Be nice to them. Be kind to them. Show them the love of Jesus. And therefore, you are to be perfect. We covered this as your heavenly Father is perfect. You're to be like him. In other words, worthy to suffer shame. I'm going to invite the worship team back out. And if you would take your elements, you should have received them when you came in, the elements of communion, both the bread and the cup. They're together. If you haven't received them, if you just raise your hand, we'll make sure uh, that those elements get to you. There's a couple over here, a couple here. Just keep your hand up until the ushers get to you and bring you those elements of communion. The truth is, if you get persecuted, you're in really, really good company. Whose company? King Jesus. Amen? You know how we know that? Because of what happened at the cross, which we're about to celebrate. And I remind you, this bread means nothing to somebody who hasn't received the bread of life. This cup remains nothing to someone who hasn't been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So if you want to know Jesus, he's waiting right now for you to invite him in as your Savior and Lord. For the rest of us, this is a celebration. What is it a celebration of? What Jesus did when he was persecuted for you. When he was beaten for you. When he was bruised for you. When his body was ripped apart. When he was innocent and you were guilty. You see, we often focus in on the crime of Jesus that titulus, that title block above the cross in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. He said he was the king of the Jews. That's all it said. But actually what that could have said, Jeff is a sinner and deserves to die. That was the real crime. It wasn't actually Jesus. It was me. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, in order to remind the disciples of what to do when he was gone, because he's going to say twice, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me, he first took a loaf of bread. Would you take out that bread? 
And when he broke it, signifying what would happen to him, he would be broken. It, it was a matzah. It has little dark spots on it and holes in it. It's pierced and it's bruised. And Jesus broke it. Pierced, bruised, and broken for you. You should have been on that cross. You should have suffered your own persecution, but he took it for you. He took that bread, and when he had broken it, he said, take and eat. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthias, take and eat, for this is my body that is broken for you. Let's partake together. And then they fellowship for a little while. And after supper, Jesus took the other third cup, a cup of praise. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, as often as you drink from this cup, do so in remembrance of me, for this is the blood of the new covenant. And that blood washed us and made us white as wool, but it cost Jesus his life. He was persecuted for you. His blood was shed for you and for me. Let's remember him. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for the precious gift that was your persecuted son that died on that cross. Jesus, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us. Lord, indeed, we remember you today. May we be willing to suffer the persecution that might come our way for being too much like you. May it be true, would there be sufficient evidence to convict us of that crime? Or that our lives were like the king and people hated us for it? Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, and we ask all of this in the blessed name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.